0: This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, Shanghai leads in IPOs, Binance bending to regulation, settle sold, FTX denies Robinhood talks, and NASDAQ announces another SaaS sale as their 18th Technology of the Future conference gets underway in New York City. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest, it's the Exchange Invest Weekly podcast. A milestone episode, no less, number 150. On the external links to the show notes, I must say I enjoyed a very productive time at the 23rd AFM conference in London recently. It's a fascinating location opposite the hallowed Lord's Cricket Ground while the conference was illuminating throughout. The whole event is available to watch on YouTube. You can get that by googling the YouTube AFM 23rd Annual Conference. And spoiler alert, my keynote was the first thing on the agenda in the morning, so not much need to scroll through. Leading our news this week, the Shanghai Stock Exchange is the world's number one IPO venue and indeed Shanghai and Shenzhen's stock exchanges are leading the global chart for financing scale in the first half of 2022 as well, according to research from Deloitte. The London Metals Exchange, they've named the consultants Oliver Wyman to conduct independent review of the nickel nightmare chaos recently Meanwhile, a win for the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, MGEX. They're going to be providing clearing as a service to the Intelligent Medicine Exchange. We highlighted that new market just the other week, which is advised by, amongst others, the excellent former CME Group CEO, Pinder Gill. The Qatar Stock Exchange, they're planning to allow short selling and therefore increase their listings and liquidity. While over in the USA, a US Congressional Committee has released findings from their 18-month probe into the wild market swings of January 2021. As you may recall, that was the meme stock market frenzy. Despite the report coming from Maxine Waters, who is, in my humble opinion, pretty anti-market, alongside Congressman Al Green, with whom I'm not so Clearly au fait in terms of his politics per se, although he is a Democrat. There are nonetheless a fair few worrying questions raised by this report. As the FT headline put it, Report Questions Robin Hood's Depiction of Liquidity During the Meme Stock Frenzy. Meanwhile, of course, splatting Robin Hood would allow the SEC to have the double whammy of being seen as tough on meme stocks and thus presumably killing payment for order flow, as seems to be one of the wants of the Gensler administration. It would also amount to an attack of sorts on the current Robin Hood General Counsel and former Republican SEC Commissioner Dan Gallagher. Farewell to the floor this week. The Philippine Stock Exchange has gone fully electronic. Congratulations to them on managing a very smooth transition after closing the floor on Friday, June the 24th and restarting as an all-electronic market last Monday. One podcast I've got to mention this week, ladies and gentlemen, it's The Ice House. As you may recall, I was a guest many moons ago on that excellent podcast. This week, ice are talking internally with chris edmonds and they're discussing clearing credit and crypto it's a really excellent podcast from the ice team which given the urgency of the central counterparty clearing debate driven by the ftx somewhat flawed in my opinion proposals It's a really, really important must-listen. An excellent discussion between Chris Edmonds, who's been given the presumably much-coveted-in-one-Atlanta-office Top Gun-derived call sign Iceman by the ever-smooth host, Josh King. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, Patrick, at derivativesvision.com, with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs-up Or, if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome, wherever you find this podcast. New Markets. It was a busy week for New Markets in the parish. All the information was in Exchange Invest Daily. The newsletter no person can afford to be without in capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's look at some edited highlights. Over to Zimbabwe and FinSec have pioneered derivatives trading, launching the first ever derivatives trading platform in the african state last wednesday the same time we got the first new market in 12 years in japan the private exchange odx that stands for osaka digital exchange began trading stocks and exchange traded funds Deal news this week: the Zagreb Bourse. They got the regulatory nod to raise their stake in the Skopje counterpart, Macedonia. Remember, actually, the Macedonian stock exchanges boss was our guest on IPO Vid just a couple of weeks back. You can catch that via YouTube.com, search for IPO-Vid. Anyway, also, of course, the Zagreb stock exchanges CEO Ifana Gazic was a former guest of the podcast and the IPO vid live stream. You can catch that too via YouTube. Anyway, Zagreb Stock Exchange can buy shares in the Macedonian Stock Exchange to increase their stake up to as much as 30%, according to local regulators. So far, they've managed to buy up to 9.92% in the Macedonian Exchange. And indeed, no sooner had they achieved that threshold of 9.92 than they acquired another 7.13% of the Macedonian Stock Exchange during the course of the last few days, as we were indeed recording this podcast. Over in Warsaw, the Warsaw Stock Exchange have confirmed that they've acquired the Armenian Stock Exchange in Yerevan. That's a deal finalised after a long COVID-induced wait. Much more about geopolitics than macro or even micro markets, methinks. as a $1.5 million takeover takes place, or was it perhaps 1.5 million euro? Anyway... Either way, a microscopic transaction compared to the near half billion dollar Warsaw Exchange's group valuation. The Nigerian commodity exchange affects they've expanded their operations to Kenya, and indeed, they're seeking funding for further East African expansion, in part aiming to help tackle rampant food insecurity in East Africa triggered by the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Whether or not the Russian invasion of Ukraine ends up in being precisely victory or death for one part or the other, that's the name of my most recent book, which isn't interested in pugilism, it's talking about blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the fintech world. Wherever you're going to be on a beach this summer, you may want to pick up a copy if you haven't already, so you can understand how fintech and the world of finance is moving forward in order to impact your career in what is a very binary world. You may profit or ultimately you may not. But if you read Victory or Death, you've certainly got a head start on the opposition. While you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, Victory or Death being published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide, don't forget to check out our live stream IPO vid, Tuesday 6pm London or 1pm New York time. This Tuesday, July the 5th we're on holiday, celebrating belatedly the 4th of July in the United States of America but there was a cracking show last week that you really ought to check out. That was IPO vid number 71 with Mark Shadle, the boss of Data BP, and he was defeated. Defending the data economy and defending it with gusto, I might add. Our next show after the Independence Day break is going to be on July the 12th, and we have got John Kim. He is going to be discussing CBDC and the future of money. In Cryptoland, Bloomberg ran an interesting story this week about the billionaire-run FTX platform, how they're supporting distressed peers. Describing it in the Bloomberg article as looking more like a sticking plaster than a credible backstop. Of course, I would paraphrase this as a couple of hundred million dollars here, a couple of hundred million dollars there, and soon you're talking about real money. But the real politique is that if all these crypto exchanges, many of which are barely known in the wider world, need these sorts of sums, then how does that stack up against the great FTX folly of modernising the world's CCP with a process based on almost no data and barely $250 million as a backstop for when we reach that Titanic moment as occasionally occurs in markets. And by the way, I use the word Titanic advisedly. Titanic was famously unsinkable at the point of design and build due to separate compartments to hold water if hold, the problem being that a surge, as ultimately took place that fateful evening in the middle of the Atlantic, the surge led to the water cascading over the top of the partitions and the whole shebang sank. In my humble opinion, that's a perfectly apt surmise of what looks to me like some failures of design in the FTX CCP plan. Speaking of that FTX. Plan the Bank of England's John Cunliffe was giving some more just responses to the new new thing of the FTX Derivatives Rule Change proposal just last week as well at a conference in Zurich. He didn't seem entirely confident that this was the way forward either. Nonetheless, the FTX's regulatory head says the CFTC has a considerable amount of openness to their proposals. That is, of course, hashtag worrying. But then again, we have this feeling in Exchange Invest Newsletter all the way back to March when the FIA appeared to be more narrowly focused on outmoded brokers' rights to intermediation than being coherent on a potential torpedo blasting through the CCP system. One definitive word we got from Sam bankman Freed this week, FTX say no talks to acquire Robinhood. I would note we must take SBF at his word here, for if he proves to be not 100% accurate with his denial, where does that leave trust in clearing? Over at Binance, Binance US have launched a zero fee Bitcoin trading. Any reduction in the fairly egregious cost of trading in Bitcoin will be welcome. But it won't save crypto from the bear market, at least not right now, as winter is upon us. Nevertheless, it's a tweak which significantly impacts Binance's main US rival market leader, Coinbase. And what did we see about Coinbase this week? Well, Goldman Sachs downgraded them to a sell, and Moody's equally was downgrading their outlook due to substantially weaker revenue. Back to Binance, the road to Damascus conversion seems to be complete. The Come to Jesus interview was in Bloomberg this week, replete with pouting post portraiture in glamorous but moody Environ's high very classic film noir. CZ repents, or at least realises that his previous incarnation, the regulatory blob versus Binance, was a variation of the logician Raymond Smoulian's classic theory. What happens when an indestructible cannonball hits an immovable post? Thus, Binance is emerging with a volta facie. It's slightly bitter, the blob is slow, we had to change, kind of narrative, but it suggests a growing consciousness that avoiding the orange jumpsuit is vital, to which CZ appears to have added a further hedge, by the way, and relocated himself to Dubai from Singapore. Speaking of Binance, one final word on the subject, and it comes from Auror Lalouk, a socialist and democrat, MEP, who commented in Brussels, that the French market regulator AMF granting a crypto exchange license to Binance was incomprehensible. Her words, not ours. In product news this week, the CME Group are expanding their suite of voluntary carbon emissions offset contracts amid record volume and open interest. While the CME have become a little bit controversial, certainly under the eyes of European and Australian regulators, by launching event contracts on September the 19th. In other words, they're going to be having daily option stroke futures, which are de facto binary contracts. Something that the European regulators, the Australian regulators and others have been eagerly trying to ban in recent times. Fascinating news from the metals market, conduct Metals, their Trade Weighted Average Prices, CMTWA, were launched last week, available via direct vending contracts or on the system via the CMTWA tab after login. Traded PGM data now calculates and vents the trade-weighted average prices and movements based on continuous online trade across the five PGM commodities. Technology news this week. NASDAQ's Technology of the Futures Conference is coming to New York. All the very best to NASDAQ with their 18th Technology of the Future event, which is happening as we record. And one side piece of trivia, they're going to hold a reception in the Classic Car Club Manhattan venue. That Classic Car Club was originally created in London many years ago. One of the co-founders of that venture, a certain Patrick L. Young, the voice behind this podcast. Meanwhile, NASDAQ had good news. Climate Impact Exchange, Climate Impact X, they've selected NASDAQ Technology, their SaaS offering, to power their new global carbon exchange. One deal this week in the tech world, the blockchain firm Settle has been acquired by Turkey's Kolendi. Despite raising many millions over the course of the years, Settle have decided to be wrapped into the equally well-funded Kolendi, a Turkish origin Fintech Banking as a Service startup up and therefore settles CBDC and other capital markets units will become part of the Anglo-Turkish combine. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators, and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at 200 U.S. dollars per user, per year, or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. In regulation news this week, the SEC chair is urging one rulebook for crypto to avoid gaps in oversight. Sudden call for unity from Gary Gensler when it seems that actually the CFTC have been making the running in Washington, D.C. much better than he has. Then again, there was a damning headline of the Gensler era SEC this week. Never enough government, says the SEC, according to The Wall Street Journal. Well, to be fair, that is the Gensler era SEC rallying cry. The previous admin was rather more impressive, it seems, in understanding markets rather than simply regulating them or bludgeoning them. The BIS, they issued a report this week, saying stablecoin is unfit as money, citing the implosion of various stablecoins of late. Of course, stablecoins have broken the buck too often to be trusted, which is why central banks are gleefully reasserting their intermediary relevance in cryptocurrency. Will investment newsletter conspiracy theorists soon be opining that the central banks set the whole first wave of stablecoins up to fail? Probably. However, I think that imputes way too much forward thinking on a central banking cabal which was utterly incapable of appreciating the inevitable rise of digital money when it was first shown to them over 20 years ago. Exchange Invest is the daily must read by the most influential figures operating the world's best markets. We invite you to join the exclusive group of both bosses and other C-suite executives who make Exchange Invest the exchange of information, their daily business intelligence guide to markets the world over. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at 200 US dollars per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. In career paths people news this week, the OCC, the Options Clearing Corporation, their board of directors have announced the appointment of Andrei Boykovich as CEO-elect as they prepare for the retirement of John P. Davidson in the near future. At the same time, Isabella Olszewska has been appointed a member of the GPW Exchange Management Board responsible for business and sales development. All the very best to Isabella. Dilshan Wirasikara has been appointed the CSE chairman, and the Dar es Salaam Stock Exchange has appointed Mary Nuasa as its acting CEO. Over in Australia, Dr. Heather Smith has been appointed to the ASX board with immediate effect. Dr. Ken Henry will be retiring with effect from the next AGM. And Thomson Reuters have named the former CEO of Gannett Media, Paul Baskobert, as president of Reuters News, turning to a tech and media veteran to drive growth at the 171-year-old news organisation. Ladies and gentlemen, over in Big World, here's an interesting statistic buried in various elements of news media. China's crude oil imports from Russia have jumped 55% year on year, reaching around two million barrels a day. Not only is China benefiting from the steep discount, that's 30% or thereabouts, available to buyers of sanctioned Russian oil, that also means that Moscow now sells the most oil to China ahead of erstwhile largest supplier, Saudi Arabia. And indeed on that oil theme, in the context of those Russian roaring exports to China, given the oil squeeze in prices, and despite the deep discounts to market values of circa 30% that Russia is enduring in the oil market at the moment, Nonetheless, Moscow is likely to make some $320 billion selling energy this year, an increase of 35% on 2021. And by the way, up to $60 billion of that sum alone could come from Germany. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young, Exchange Builder and Principal of Exchange Invest, the daily newsletter and information service of the Bourse business. I wish you all a great week in blockchain life and markets, and we're off to celebrate our 150th podcast. It's a wrap. This show relates to the business of bourses.